Today on the Evangelist Podcast, surprising gospel strategy number one. The Evangelist's Podcast. Encouragement to speak life to a needy world. With Glenn Scrivener and Andy Brinkley. Welcome back to the Evangelist Podcast. This is the show where we uh, seek to encourage you in sharing your, your faith. This is uh, We've been going for now over four years. Over four years. Goodness something me. Like four years, three months, something like that. Four years, three months. So this is episode 164. Four, one, yeah, 164. Goodness me. So. I wonder how long it would be to string them all together. They're probably probably average about half an hour each, don't they? So that's like 80 hours. Yeah. What's 80 hours? Mm, half, half a week four. nonstop. Wow. Yeah. It's like Monday so. to Thursday, isn't it? Yeah. Goodness me. You'd be insane at the end of that. <laughs> Just... How how on fire for Jesus would you be? And then just, man, the gospel opportunities that would flock to you. You'd be overflowing with joy and zeal and the grace of Christ. Amazing. Do you reckon there are people that have listened to all of them? Is there? Yeah. Do you reckon? Right in, if you've listened to all of them. I can think of a couple of people who might yeah, claim I to think, have. I think one or two have said, yeah. I've listened to all the podcasts. Yeah. But, uh, I bet they remember them better than we do, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But anyway, we're, we're looking at a surprising gospel strategy. Yes. Today. We're going we're gonna to look at a whole series of surprising gospel strategies. <laughs> a whole series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's just two earlier. It's very... <laughs> yeah. It's the first of many. The first of many. First of I'll many. think of some more as we go, but <laughs> two will do for now. So, the very first of our... Surprising gospel strategy. What 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 is it today? Then? Number one is shut your church doors. <laughs> shut them. Just shut them. Lock the door. That's it. Are you that's, sure? That's I am sure. That's that's surprising strategy number one. I told you that was surprising, but we'll we'll get into why that's a good gospel strategy in a minute. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Trust me on this. Please, please, yeah. Yeah. Let's get into it. Uh, before we do, um, we've just got to mention. Um, also, that I mean, on the podcast, sometimes we we mention uh, activities that speak life. Uh, one of which is the studying of union, mm. um, which is uh, something that people have done here as a day release, um, studying with you. <laughs> They're not in prison, Andy. They they release <laughs> from from their churches. To us. They're tagged, and yes. then they uh, they get to study theology with the likes of Mike Reeves and Robert Letham and Lee Gatus and Peter Mead and. Yeah. Myself, so yeah, yeah, and the deadline is coming up, isn't it? If folks wanted to study, like it, perhaps they couldn't get to a Bible college, perhaps mm-hmm. you know they they were looking to go into full time Christian work, but they just realised that they can't move or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is kind of the equivalent, but they don't have to move; they can just come here. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the deadline's coming up for the end of June. End of June, if you want to study this 2017. September of twenty seventeen. Yes, earlier Andy thought it was the year twenty fifteen. You know, <laughs> it's it's hot. It's yeah, it's a wearing. Wearying time right now. But yes, so if you want to study um, with us or there are plenty of other learning communities around England and around the world, um, then uh, yeah, do get in touch with us or with union at ust.ac.uk and uh, you can apply to start the graduate diploma this September. Mm, so this will be pretty much your final. <laughs> Is it? If you're your last chance. Thinking of it. Good. And just before uh, we go into to looking at uh, surprising gospel strategy number one. Mm-hmm. Shut um, your church doors. Lock them. <laughs> tell us about your activities. My and, activities. Uh, 
Tonight I'm going up to St Mary's Wootton, which is a church in Bedfordshire, uh, John Bunyan country, Bedfordshire. Oh, really? Yes, so he was a tinker in Bedfordshire, um, and uh, yeah. But this church is running uh, a series of events. I mean, they've got me speaking from about nine in the morning till about nine thirty at night every day, <laughs> up until the Sunday services, wow. and uh, yeah. So they're keeping me busy, which is good because when I when I go away somewhere, I don't want to be twiddling my thumbs, but I've got. Lots of stuff to do, speaking at uh, primary schools and high schools and to elderly groups and to toddler groups and uh, to men's groups and to women's groups and a a series of evening uh, meetings as well where I interview people with an interesting Christian testimony and I then preach the gospel off the back of that. So, yeah, lots of opportunities to scatter the seed and uh, looking forward to it. Mm, Good. Okay, then, Glenn. Well, uh, we're we're looking at... uh a gospel strategy. Mm, what what is surprising what do you mean by a gospel strategy? A surprising God. Well, as uh, first of all, a gospel strategy is well, we all, we all want to share Jesus um, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and we want to be able to speak of the one who saved us and loved us. Um, but you know, how do we get better at that? How do we get better at that as churches? How do we get better at that as individuals? And uh, we're going to go through a series of surprising gospel strategies mm. uh, because they're not initially what you might think. Number one is going to be lock your church doors. Right. Bolt them. So don't invite people to church. Or... <laughs> <laughs> not quite that. Not quite that. What, when you should lock them, I think, is after your Sunday services. Right. Bolt the door. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, one... If you if you want to think of some scriptures, well, think of a couple of different scriptures for the, for this surprising strategy. One is in Acts chapter one. So there is Jesus, and he's given people their marching orders. There are the disciples around him. In chapter one, verse eight, Jesus says, "You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth." And Jesus ascends to the right hand to pour out the Holy Spirit so that they can do that. Uh, and then it's it's fascinating that, you know, verse 10 of Acts 1 says, They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same <laughs> Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him going to heaven. Mm. And it's almost a sense of you've been given your marching orders. Why, why spend you all your time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, why spend all your time looking up to the heavens? Um, you've got a gospel to proclaim to the ends of the earth. And I wonder whether in church life um, we can be guilty of spending too long looking up into the sky Mm. um, when actually we've been given our marching orders and part of our worship is actually to... uh, to leave the church building behind mm. and to go as the church scattered out into the world, out to the very ends of the earth. Uh, and one thing that really got me thinking about this was uh, a book by Vishal Mangalwadi, um, who uh, is a uh, Indian uh, and he was a philosopher and he was not a Christian to begin with, but he was thinking about why is it that the West um, seems to have figured out some stuff about how the economy works, about how politics works, about how society functions, about education, healthcare. Um, in so many different areas of life, the West seems to be ahead. Now, no one should look at the West and its development in the world and consider, okay, the West is superior because of anything inherent to Europeans, right? Mm. I mean, to think that way is to be utterly racist. Um, and, and no one thinks that way. But... 
but if it's not, if it's not that somehow Caucasians are, are you know, are smarter, actually they're not. You know, East Asians are, are you know, in IQ wise, uh, are, are much smarter than you know, on average, than than your average Caucasian. So what is it? Why why has this advanced kind of civilization developed from the West? I, I, I think, unless you want to be racist, and let's not be racist, unless you want to be racist, let's have a look at the ideas that actually released the West into being uh, so very fruitful in the world. And Vishal Mangalwadi looked and said, well, look, Come on, let's let's not ignore the fact that the West has been shaped by Christianity. Mm. Let's not ignore the fact that the West West has been shaped by the Bible. The Bible has right. made the world. That's his claim in uh, in his wonderful book, the book that made the world. And uh, let me just quote from a couple of paragraphs that he he writes about the effect that the Reformation had on Europe, mm. because. It, He's talking about how how do we get this this sense of of industry, this sense of the sense of the Protestant work ethic and all that sort of stuff. He he was looking particularly at, at Reformation churches in Holland, and he wrote this uh, before the Reformation. Roman Catholic churches were open seven days a week in Holland. The devout went to the church whenever they wanted to meet with gods. They would light their candles, kneel, and pray. After the Reformation, the church leaders decided to lock their churches on Sunday nights. Not because they became less religious, but because they became more religious. Religious in a positive sense. Reformers learned from the Bible that the church was not the only place to meet with God. If God has called you to be a woodcutter, then on Monday morning you ought to meet with God in the forest. If he has called you to be a shoemaker, then on Monday morning he expected you to meet with him on the workbench. If he had called you to be a homemaker, you needed to serve God while taking care of your window plants. Uh, which is a lovely way of putting it. So here, here's the great mission strategy mm. of the Reformation. Lock your church doors. Right. Lock them on Sunday nights. Yeah. Because what you don't want is people continually just orbiting around the you know the gravital, gravitational pull mm. of the church as though they constantly need to light their candles and do their religious bit day by day by day by day. Yeah. What kind of mission can happen if the church doors are always open mm. and if all God's people always think that they need to be around the church mm. in order to be godly? The great gospel strategy from the Reformation onwards was Let's lock our church doors. Having said to them on a Sunday, go in peace to love and serve the Lord, as they say in the Anglican service. You know, that, that sort of liturgy of, of, okay, we've fed you. We've given you the word of Christ. We've fed you with the bread and wine. You've, you've, you've been fed up. You should be fed up with church. <laughs> now, out you go into the world. And I think I think that might be a surprising gospel strategy we need to relearn today. Yeah. I mean, we can have this kind of... Uh, churchianity if you like where you know all our activities are church based you know we've got you know our internet cafe might be at church and right you know we've got uh, the coffee mornings and you know yeah um, so on the one hand our culture can be so church focused and and perhaps we've moved to doing that to you know to try to get people to church mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so we've focused all our activity on there but uh how can we carefully mm, mm. discern what is wholesome mm-hmm. outreach right yes and, and what is just yeah. you know uh using the church as a devotional 
conduit to right to Christ. Yeah, in that sort of medieval sense. Yeah. That, you know, in in medieval times, people go and light a candle on a Monday morning. These yeah. days, they they come to the church to to run the coffee morning and that, yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, I think one thing to think about is is this distinction between gathered church and scattered church. Mm. I think there is we are meant to have a gathering of church, mm. and and I, I'm fairly persuaded that the Lord's Day Sunday is, is the best day for that. I think that's that's what's modelled to us in the scriptures mm. that that is the Christian Sabbath, and and you know I'm 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 not you know wildly Presbyterian on this, and and I I don't sort of. Campaign for keep Sunday special and that sort of thing, but I do think in the scriptures that there is um, a special day um, that on the Lord's day, the first day of the week, we gather together, we hear from our Lord through word and sacrament, we are fed, we are nourished, we are called the people of God, and then we scatter. Mm that then we walk out into the world having been fed by Christ and, and, and now we take the blessing out to the nations. I, I think that's the sort of the flow, that there is a place for the gathered church, but I do think that that place for the gathered church is where we have a Sunday service. Now, interesting, when you think of Sunday service, sometimes we think that's our service that we offer to God. Actually, yeah. primarily, the divine service, as you know, the good you know, Scottish Presbyterians will tell you, the divine service is how God serves you right. through the meeting, that, that actually Christ meets with you and feeds you and graces you. But then, having been served, then we scatter and I think I think I do want to say I do want to at least question um, how how much of our resources are being put into a lot of coffee mornings that bring people mm. into the building. Uh, it might be exactly the right thing to do. There might be no other center of community in your village, let's say, mm. and the church is the one place where people do gather. And therefore, opening the doors is a way of getting out there into the community because your church building just happens to be the community space. I think it's perfectly possible to think that, you know, a, a coffee mornings put on in the church building is a way of reaching the community because that building is, uh, you know, the community space. Yeah. However, in, in more metropolitan environments, I don't think that is the case. And I wonder whether using those resources that you use to keep a coffee morning open might be better used going out and using Cafe Nero or Starbucks or, you know, other brands right. are available. Yes. Um <laughs> And, and and actually, you know, I mean, I, I remember our, our church years ago um, was considering, you know, refurbishment plans and, you know, what if, what if we turn the back of church into a cafe and, oh, okay, well, we'd need to employ people like Monday to Friday, nine to five. Um, we'd need to, you know, a coffee machine itself is like five, six grand just, just to get that in. It's a, it's a major expenditure mm. and you'd majorly have to get people, you know, coming and volunteering you'd probably have to have someone um you know that you pay to you know look after it and do the books and that sort of stuff imagine all those resources that instead of those resources going into sucking people into the church building what if what if you just did what you already loved and took jesus with you yeah wouldn't that be a better use of resources getting out there and you know yeah so you know I want to start a book club. Oh, great. You know, the six other people in church who want to start a book club too. Let's have a church book club. No. <laughs> Take one other or two others yeah. and go start a book club, you know, out in the community. Yeah. Do what you love and take Jesus with you and shut those church doors 
because that's that's how you're actually going to flow from from that Lord's Day worship service on the Sunday. You're going to flow out into the world. But I think that's only going to happen if we if we close our doors and if we don't require people to constantly be orbiting around the gravitational pull of the church Monday to Saturday. Uh, you had uh, another scripture that you were going to take us to? Yeah, I mean, Hebrews 13 is amazing, isn't it? That's, um, you know, you, you ask all the way through the book of Hebrews, where is Jesus in the book of Hebrews? <laughs> Um, and pretty much after every chapter, the answer is he's at the right hand of the Father. Mm. He's the great high priest. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us. His work is completed. That's why he's sat down. That's where Jesus is. But then you come to the very last chapter of the book of Hebrews, and it throws a little bit of a curveball. Um, so Hebrews 13, verse 12, And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Therefore... Uh, let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore. So, in this verse, where is Jesus? Outside. He's outside the camp, you know. He's, he's outside the city, city gate. So, you know, outside the camp in, in an Old Testament sense is the, is the place that is outside where God is. It's the place where God is not known, the place that is unclean, the place that is unsafe. And where is Jesus? Well, once and for all, he died outside the camp on that rubbish dump outside Jerusalem. Once and for all, he did that. But there's also another sense in which he's still there. Mm. And when we go outside the camp, we meet with him. And when we go outside the camp, we go to the place that is unclean, that is unsafe, the place where God is not known. And yet we find there's Jesus with us all along. And so that's a beautiful thing, that as you go as church scattered you actually find a different way of encountering Christ. On Sunday morning or Sunday evening or wherever, whenever you have your church service, you meet with Christ a little bit like the disciples in Acts chapter 1, looking up to heaven. You know? yeah. Jesus has ascended, we look up, we receive from him, our faces shine, and then we're told to go in peace. And then I think Monday to Saturday, as we scatter, we meet with Christ in a different way. As Vishal Mangawadi said, we meet with Christ. If we're a woodcutter, we meet with Christ in the forest. If we're a homemaker, we meet with Christ as we water the plants. Um, we meet with Christ as we go outside the camp. And I, ju I just think, if you're a church leader, what are the ways that we can shut the doors? Mm. What are the ways that on Sunday we can actually feed people, give them such good news that they feel happy? You know, actually happy to go in peace, to love and serve the Lord. So there's the challenge for, for Sunday, to actually give people the grace of Christ in a way that is liberating yeah. and makes them think, I don't need to come back here on a Monday and light a candle as though my status with Christ is in jeopardy. Yeah. I don't need to tread this holiness tightrope between Monday and Saturday and, you know... Um, I'm not going to be knocked off my holiness perch between now and Sunday. No, I've actually been given Christ. I'm, a, I'm assured that I'm safe in Jesus. The only way I can go to hell now is if Jesus does. Great. Now, Monday to Saturday, as I scatter, I take Jesus with me. So on a Sunday, will we give people Jesus in a liberating way? And then Monday to Saturday, will we think about how we can free our people up? If you're a church leader, how can you free people up? So that... People are, are aware that actually going to their book club 
um, that they might be the only Christian. There's only one other Christian in that book club. Going to that book club is a very spiritual thing. Mm. It's where they're going to meet with Jesus. And maybe it's where they can meet with Jesus in a way that on a Thursday night is better than going to some church activity. Mm. You know, could we, could we possibly get to, to thinking in those terms? And if we can, then we will have locked the doors and uh, maybe this surprising gospel strategy will send us out to the ends of the earth. Okay, good. So that's surprising gospel strategy number one. Mm-hmm. What's uh, surprising gospel strategy number two? Well, I've got number two, actually. Oh, yeah. Don't ask me about number three. Okay. <laughs> I've got number two. The surprising gospel strategy number two, and you'll have to figure out what this is when we come back uh, for, uh, for the next episode. But surprising episode, uh, surprising strategy number two is move on. Move on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so don't stay. Just Don't stay. Don't stay. Move on. Okay. Yeah. Right, but we'll... Uh, we'll <laughs> on to... that bombshell. <laughs> we'll take your advice now and uh, <laughs> move on. Move on, Andy. <laughs> well, if you can't... Uh, if you don't want to miss next episode, then uh, do subscribe to the Evangelist Podcast. You can do so at uh, our podcast page, which is speaklife.org.uk slash TEP. And uh, you've got a, a list to 160 plus other episodes there. If you if you can't wait until next the next week or so when uh, when the next podcast comes out, if you'd like to leave us a rating and review, we'd be very happy if you could do that for us. Um, we've had a review since the last episode. Oh, thank you very much. Who was that? It says <laughs> from GT Johnny Bravo. Okay. It says fast paced Australian Tim Keller. Oh, <laughs> he says, I'm reminded of Tim Keller when I hear Glenn speak. A high-energy, Australian-accented, evangelism-oriented Tim Keller. In the God. best possible way, or perhaps Tim Keller is a slow-paced, <laughs> <laughs> American-accented Glenn Scrivener. <laughs> so it's essentially these sermons on how the gospel applies to life, which is perhaps what evangelism really is, preaching to unbelievers. I'm certainly encouraged by their messages as well as challenged and equipped. And the only regret that I'm unable to attend lectures and be guided through a practicum in person. Oh, man. So, wow. Work to work to free yourself up, GT Johnny Bravo. <laughs> um, next September. Okay, this, you've, you've got a deadline. I'll give, you, I'll give you 14 months to make yourself ready. But, uh, that's very kind. Yeah, and true, but very kind. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny Bravo. Um, and if uh, you'd like to leave a rating review, uh, it doesn't have to be as quite <laughs> as... Uh, fulsome in praise. No. Goodness me. But uh, you can do that at... Uh, Tim Keller, you're just a slow glimpse. <laughs> 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 just go to speaklife.org.uk slash TEP and uh, you can follow the links there to leave us a rating and review also to say very excited news that we're launching a uh, Patreon campaign for the podcast yes so there's also links there um, and if you've listened this far to mm-hmm. the Evangelist podcast you must be you must kind of like us yeah maybe so perhaps if you and you know baby needs shoes <laughs> baby needs shoes <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> How do I follow that? <laughs> okay, that's it for this week. Until next time. See ya. See ya.